Welcome to the Burrito Kind of Guy podcast, episode number nine. This week, my guest is John from the band Dead Bars. And if you don't know Dead Bars already, well, let me tell you that Dead Bars is probably one of the catchiest punk band that we have in our scene right now. And they're also the nicest guys. It's cool uh, to have guests, a guest like John, who writes such catchy songs to kind of realize that sometimes writing songs can be simple. It can be oh, I just walk in the street and I notice that there's a very fat squirrel and I'm gonna write, there's a fat squirrel on the corner and it makes me scared. Oh my God, that's a bad example, but you know what I mean. You can write about simple stuff and it ends up being uh, very great tunes in the end. So yeah, uh, this week's sponsor is Dental Records. Dental Records is an Ontario-based label whose goal is to release new music from up-and-coming artists of different styles. They have released music from Hang Time, Ink Bomb, No Breakfast Goodbye, and The Nail Heads, which is a Montreal band, by the way, so hi, The Nail Heads. Um, and they also released a compilation with bands from all around the world. You can find them on Instagram at Dental Records Canada or on Facebook at Dental Records Punk. So if you're looking for a new label, you're in a punk rock band and you're like, I want a label in Canada and uh, you'd like some help releasing your stuff, send them your stuff. If you're not in any band but you would like to listen to new punk rock bands, then uh, check them out. And it's their job as a label to promote their bands and they're, they're doing a great job right now by being the sponsor of this week's podcast. So thank you, Dental Records. And thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you're having fun. I hope you're going to have a good day. Uh, sit back and enjoy this conversation. By the way, none of this is scripted like um, the intro. Or maybe I should start um, writing down what I'm going to say in the intro. Maybe. It would make me more professional. Yeah, man, I'm down. I'm in for whatever. So as long as uh, if I'm ever going off of a tangent, just guide me back. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. All right. <laughs> so uh, the first question I usually ask uh, is, well, where were you born and what year were you born? But I found out that you were born on June 7, 1987. Is yes, that true? That's correct. Wow. I'm, I'm such a good researcher now. <laughs> uh, and, and I think you were born in New Jersey, were you? Uh, yep. So born and raised in New Jersey. Um, and... I moved out to Seattle when I was 22. Why? Uh, how was it like to grow up in uh, New Jersey? Which part of New Jersey did you grow up in? So I was born um, in north northern New Jersey, which was kind of like a suburb of, of New York City. And, um, you know, it was just, you know, the it was a really, really good place to grow up. And I, you know, realized how like lucky we were because we had the city we had the mountains we had the beach we had you know a lot of stuff really close to us and also like you know there's always something going on in that area it you know you could always um find something to do um and so yeah it was like it was a really good place especially for music and stuff like so many bands were coming out of that state at the time that I was getting into music and it was like super exciting to to see bands that were like local bands essentially when I was a kid become like 
the biggest bands in the world, you know, I mean, do you have any examples? I mean, the biggest example is probably like My Chemical Romance. It's like, mm. you know, they were like a local band. And uh, Thursday, Thursday was the first example, actually. Thursday was like the one where it was like they played in like basements and stuff and and small shows. And then and then they became really big. They never like played stadiums or anything. At least I don't think that they did. They, they became huge. But then My Chemical Romance was like the band where it was like, whoa, like you know, they're 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 playing like you know arenas and stadiums and stuff yeah so that yeah it's like stuff like that was was an interesting time to grow up where i grew up um because it was all happening in the early 2000s um yeah so and when did you start playing music uh i started playing music when i was probably like 10 or 11 started playing drums and then tried to start a band like when i was about 12 or 13 <laughs> and then started just yeah, basically in high school is when like the first like band kind of started but I, I've been playing drums I played saxophone when I was a kid for Ooh. for school for school band and stuff you know so that was have you ever have you ever been in a ska band with that saxophone project no no never I mean I don't even I, I stopped that was like you know elementary school type thing yeah, yeah. I like I like ska um I like some ska for sure, but no, I mean, I started getting into hardcore and punk and all that stuff. And then when I was in high school, started um, wanting to um, like start a band and eventually essentially started like a, like a hardcore band, like a, like a hardcore punk band with some friends. And then that evolved into like kind of a screamo band. You know, you could totally tell that like, we were like of the age where we were like getting into some of that stuff and then that stuff was getting popular. So we kind of started doing that. And then, so basically it was more like hardcore and then screamo stuff in, in high school. That's mm -hmm. pretty much what I was doing. And you were playing drums. What, what was the, um, what was the first band that you had? What was the name of that? The first band? The first band that I had was called uh, Nasarima, which is, american spelled backwards oh and uh we were like you know trying to be like a political punk band and like we liked anti-flag and we liked you know crust punk political crust punk and and stuff like that and so we we were like you know we we had a lowercase n and a uppercase a at the end so that you could tell that it was like you know american backwards and tried try i mean for for as much as you're, you know, aware of what's going on when you're 13, 14, 15, I mean, we, we were definitely trying to be, you know, as like aware as possible. And so that was the first band. That was cool. That was like three piece. Yeah. I played drums in all of those bands, but yeah, we were like three piece, like kind of thrash punk band. And then the Screamo band was uh, named after our middle school principal. Um <laughs> And Mr. Gottlieb, so we called the band Gottlieb, which is it's stupid, but it was it was fun. Was it was it a nice principle or like a, a bad one? Uh, yeah. You know, it was just like you know he was just uh, so I didn't realize this when we did it, but that's like what Len Leonard Skinner is named after their their teacher, their principal, or something like that too. So um, you know, it's definitely. You know, I guess we weren't the first to do something like that. But yeah, it's like, it was just funny. We just thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. We did. <laughs> um, nice. And that was that we were like trying to be more like 
more like it started off very like orchid and um like Q and not you and like kind of maybe the blood brothers and stuff like that so like screamo but like in the more like diy screamo and then it kind of evolved into like breakdowns and like shit like in um like under oath like type stuff you yeah. know because we were getting into stuff like that but the original kind of ideas were, were more of like the kind of lo-fi diy shit nice do uh i was a lot of into uh those screamo bands back then but mm. i'm but i'm i think i'm five years i'm five years younger than you but i was mm. like so it's it was when i was like 10 11 12 i was listening to these bands so i i i know exactly what you mean when you say screamo <laughs> yeah and, yeah and so there that what was was interesting is like we were kind of into that stuff but then it got popular so then it kind of got like a like more of a like poppy sound and so we kind of went the route that was becoming more popular mm -hmm. is basically what ended up happening and do you remember your first show first show um, ever? yeah i do uh let's see so we played a show in like freaking really far away from where we lived like maybe an hour away like in the in the sticks somewhere like near a town called Hackettstown um, somewhere over there and that was the first with the first band uh, but we didn't have our name yet so I think we called ourselves Decay um, <laughs> which which is funny because we didn't have a name so we were just like oh let's just let's just do that and so we played um, with these like crust punk bands who were um, actually, I mean, one of the bands like was from New Brunswick and they um, they had a seven inch and stuff. And I remember being like, whoa, like that's crazy. They have their own record. And they were called Hopeless Dregs of Humanity, which <laughs> they were the they were the headliners. And then we played with a band called um, Noxious Existence. And we played with a band called Test of Time and a couple other bands, but that was the first one we were 14 maybe and we got a ride from an older kid in high school and he took us in a van and it was like felt like really like we were on tour or something you know when you were a teenager what was like um what was your view on your point of view on like playing music um the in a diy punk band like what was the purpose of doing all of this um so like um like I don't have any older brothers or sisters or anything like that. So I would hang out with some friends and they had older siblings and they were like going to shows and stuff. And I just like super like attracted to that idea of like, you know, that you could be in a band, a local band and people would come and see and see you play and you could make t-shirts and, you know, basically the whole idea of like creating a thing out of nothing was like really exciting to me um and then i and then to be honest like part of it part of the attraction was like i mentioned like i saw a bunch of bands like becoming like really successful and then you know so i had examples of bands that like were like started off small and then started like going on tour and i was like that whole like thing blew my mind where it's like whoa you can like you can take this on the road and mm -hmm. actually make like 
you know, make it work. I don't know how much money people were making back then, but it seemed like they were touring a lot. So I figured something was working. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, you had bands like, I mean, like the the earliest band that I can remember that got like popular was like Saves the Day. And then Midtown was a band that, that got popular and started touring. That all happened like when I was really young, but I had, you know, friends who had older siblings so they were, they would like, you know, give us the information about like, oh yeah, Midtown, you know, just got signed to wherever Capitol Records or something. It's like, what? That's so crazy. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, other, and it became like just trying to start a thing that was, you know, good enough to play with bands that we liked. I mean, there wasn't yeah. any real goals in high school other than to just play as many shows as possible. Mm -hmm. Like we never tried to go on tour or anything like that. We just wanted to play local shows and yeah. we did our, we did our best. Um, and then that was pretty, and then, you know, just getting better at writing, you know, and, and playing with people was also, I think, really good experience. Yeah. You, you played in a band called Red Light, Green Light, did you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did actually. Yeah. Um, which ended in, 2010 and you were playing drums in that band and uh i think it's in it's that year that you moved to seattle right yeah um yeah so after high school we uh me and my friend who was a, a couple years older than than me he wanted to start a band he was a drummer too and he wanted to be a singer and like kind of front front his own band and asked me if I wanted to play drums. And then we essentially started this band called Red Light, Green Light. And that was like really weird band because it was a mixture of basically every genre, um, <laughs> which was fun. Um, but it there were things that were kind of like strange about it, but essentially it was like, there was pop punk stuff. There was like hip hop. He kind of like was like rapping and screaming and stuff. And then there was like hardcore kind of elements because there was like breakdowns and you know so it kind of was like a lot a lot of different genres mixed together but it was super fun for people live i don't think it translated as well on recording but that band was really good experience because that's the band that that we i played a lot more shows in and we went and did a lot more out of town stuff not really a lot of tours we did some touring but not really we did a lot of like down the coast of you know east coast down and back and we did a lot of regional stuff but we got to play you know i played with you know a lot of different bands from like you know pop punk bands like i am the avalanche to like we played with every time i die and the bronx <laughs> and we played with oh, nice. um you know the um this like a bunch of Jersey bands that we loved, like Folly and Houston Calls and Hidden in Plainview. And we played with Banner. Um, we played with, um, you know, basically, every, basically every, every type of band. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you, uh, I forgot to ask, but did you take drum lessons uh, back when you were a teenager or not by yourself? Not, not when I was a teenager, but when I was really, really young, um, like before I started, in any bands or anything like that when i wanted to get a drum set like so this is i was probably like 9 10 11 something like that before middle school i took a 
about a year maybe or maybe two years of drum lessons i'm not sure but it was like on and off and so but then i was just like i don't want to take lessons i want to start a band you know yeah, and yeah so yeah. i kind of resisted the whole like doing things properly which i kind of wish that i did because i'd be a lot better drummer if i if i did and i didn't <laughs> i didn't stretch and so i have all these tendonitis problems and stuff and so you know, if I were to give any advice to people, I'd say if you have the opportunity to take lessons, definitely, definitely do that. And uh, oh, yeah. then you can always... Especially when you're young, right? When you're, when yeah, you're so, young. Yeah, so that was, I mean, there was a good experience, but I learned way more playing with people than I did mm -hmm. at drum lessons, like a lot more. Um, for me personally, that was my, like... Yeah, my... and you moved to uh, Seattle. Uh, what did you... What did you do right after high school? Because there's a gap between high school and when you moved to Seattle. Did you go to? Uh, uh, I did. I went to. Yeah. So after high school, that's when I started that band, Red Light Green Light, like summer after high school. But I was also going to college at the same time, and so that band, Red Light Green Light, existed my whole time in college, which was. And what did you study at college? I did history and humanities and art and stuff, and so. Um, my like major is um humanities and history um okay, cool. which which was great and um like i mean, i think you know i mean, i work in a museum and stuff now so yeah. like the whole that kind of world you know is stuff that i'm interested in and, and that kind of led me to mm -hmm. to the museum world but um so basically we did that band for four years while i was in college and then um people just some people kind of slowly kind of left the band and we brought another member members in and it just got to the point where i wasn't having fun anymore like i really wasn't enjoying it and i was graduating college and there was the recession was happening in 2009 and i just um you know saw an opportunity my i i started a band with a friend that was living in new jersey and he was going to move to seattle and i we we wanted to continue that that project um, is it cj so or it's not no I, i met cj out here but my friend tom was in a band called houston calls um and they were like you know they were as far as i was concerned like really successful they you know toured all over the world they had records and stores they were on like drive through records and stuff and they um they ended up breaking up and then we started playing together in new jersey and then he was like he had a brother that lived out here and he was like, I think I'm going to move to Seattle and live with my brother for a while. And then I just was like, well, maybe we could, maybe me and my friend Dan uh, can move out, you know, and do the band out there. And, you know, like we have nothing else to do type thing, you know? So, yeah. so we kind of came out here <clears throat> with no real plan, but we were trying to do this other thing. And then, you know, Tom was more focused on school. He wanted to, he wanted to move out here and go to school. And he was, he's older. He was like six years older than us or something. So his priorities had shifted a lot. So he wasn't really feeling what we were trying to do. Mm -hmm. So essentially, you know, like the, the original idea was to start this band and, and that didn't really happen, but I just ended up really liking it here. I got a job. I met a lot of cool people and I just saw a lot more opportunities to play music out here versus where I was from. Like I met a lot of musicians when I moved out here first and that was super exciting because where I was from, it was like people were growing up, you know, and like, not like not playing music 
at all. They, like after high school, they were just like, oh no, like we don't do that. So I didn't really meet people that wanted to be in a band at, at that time. And when I moved here, I met a ton of people that wanted to play music. So I just started, yeah. but, just started um, there. But I feel like being on the East Coast is probably easier if you want to tour, right? Touring is a lot easier over there for sure. But like um, where we live, like there's a lot of shit happening in Seattle. Like there's a show every night in, in the city, right? And so I, that was initial attraction to me is I didn't really want to tour. I kind of wanted to like get a job and like just be able to go to like local shows and, oh, and stuff. Okay, yeah. And so like new like you could do that if you live in new york but i lived in new jersey so like i was thinking i was like man if i want to play shows like a couple nights a week you know i would have to basically you know drive into the city play the show drive back then go to work the next day and it just seemed mm -hmm. like a huge 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 process whereas living out here you could just go down to, down the street play the show come back and then go to work and i was mm -hmm. like that was kind of what i wanted to do initially but um yeah i completely agree it's really hard to tour over here there's not much going on mm -hmm. uh, the east coast you can hit a ton of cities in a couple hours you know yeah well it's definitely something i i understand because like i've been to seattle and i've been to um new jersey and to mm -hmm. me <laughs> uh if i had the choice to live in one of those two places i would definitely choose um seattle yeah so when you arrived in seattle uh you 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 started singing for a hardcore band or is that was it before um so the hardcore band uh was friend was that's a good point so like i when so red light green light was happening but me and my friends a couple other friends started this like kind of hardcore band that was um called that is called me me barrio and um we uh we did that i mean we started that when i was like 18 and we're still it's funny because i just went back to visit my family and we, we actually got together with that band and, and actually rehearsed and and tried to even write some new songs so that's just a band that's just for fun really and um that is when i started like everyone in in that group said you should be the singer they were like you're gonna be a good singer and i was like i don't know what i sing and they're like no just like you know scream or yell or whatever and so that's like the first kind of time that that i got to be like a front man but we weren't we were not like that serious and we barely played any shows okay um so that was like but then i moved out here and so that was all on on hiatus and so yeah i started a band out here with with my friend tom and my friend dan and, and, and my friend brian and that didn't last for too long and then we started another thing out here and um and then that didn't work out and basically I, I realized that i needed to kind of try to meet some new people and try to start something yeah yeah definitely and you started dead bars in uh well i've got the first that first dead, dead bars show was in march 2013 so did mm -hmm. you start a band in 2013 or 2012 so what, what ended up happening was when i when i moved out here um I had a lot of free time on my hands because I wasn't doing much. I, it was a new city. I didn't know too many people. And I was really eager to try to learn a new instrument. So I kind of just out here at 22 or 23 started learning, kind of picking up a guitar and trying to like learn how to play. And so basically from like 20, 2010 to 2012, 
I kind of just like learned how to play guitar and was just kind of writing some songs just to learn how to do it. And those, I didn't know what those, I didn't know what it was. It didn't have really a name, um, but it was just like, oh, these are some songs that I wrote. And then, like I said, I was trying to play drums in a bunch of different bands. And what ended up happening is I ended up joining a band that was kind of like a, like a uh, alternative um, kind of like, um, like they sounded like, um, like a classic rock band is kind of like what it sounded like. There was, it was uh, like shit that your parents would probably be into, but it was good. I liked it a lot. It was kind of like throwback to the seventies and like kind of had some sixties vibes and stuff. So maybe garage rock or something is what I would call it. Classic rock. Um, and then we ended up recording a, a thing and then I really liked it and we pressed a record and stuff. And then you, you know, I mean, like, you know how it goes. It's like, you put out a record. It's like, cool. Like, let's go out of town. Let's play some shows. Let's, mm -hmm. let's try to promote this thing. And then they were like, you know, one of the singers, lead, the lead guitar player and the singer was just like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. I kind of just want to go back to school and marry my girlfriend. And I was just like, <laughs> what the hell am I doing this for? Like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, like my whole, there's always like, you know, you start a band, you record, you put out a record, you go play shows. And then if it doesn't work out, then you move on and do a different band. But like, I felt like we never really pushed that, that project. Mm -hmm. So it was at that point that I was like, I'm starting my own band where I am able to basically kind of like, you know, set the tone and yeah. like uh, set the goals kind of for what we're going to do. And so that's when I was just like, I had all those songs that I wrote, you know, all those early songs that I was doing for the past two years before party at my house, fun house Monday, mm -hmm. um, all those early, early dead bar songs. Um, and then I just showed them to the people that I worked with. And the first show was and, all, and where, where were you working back then? I was work. I, I worked at the same place. The oh, museum. really? So you've been yeah. working at this museum for a long time. Yeah. I've been there for like 11 years. <laughs> That's awesome. By the way, yeah. I used to, I used to be not a big fan of museum, but now I am. And I think it's a, the museum of pop culture, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So uh, next time I'm in Seattle, I will for sure <laughs> go there. Yeah, come so. on out, man. It's we got a lot of like it's it's really cool. Like uh, as an aside, I remember when I got out of college and I was like gonna move out to Seattle. I remember being like, yeah, I don't know where I'm gonna work. Maybe I'll work at like a school or like maybe like a record store or like a library or maybe a museum. That would be pretty cool. It's like it'd be really cool if there was like you know like a like a rock and roll museum. Yeah. And then and then <laughs> I ended up you know basically finding the only rock and roll museum that's, that's awesome. you know not the rock and roll hall of fame you know so um anyways yeah i got really lucky i, I really like i like where i work and they're they're so cool you, about music and stuff so when you started dead bars was it with the members that were in dead bars at first was it people that you worked with or yeah so like basically i mean the goal was to just it be like kind of my you know like my solo project as stupid yeah. as that sound but it was like I had already wrote and recorded all the songs. I did everything by myself. I, I played drums. I played guitar. I played, I sang on them. And so I had all the demos. So the songs are written. And so I basically just showed them to some people I worked with. And I said, do you guys want to be my backing band, you know, and let's play a show or two. And so I basically recruited like four people that I worked with essentially who were in my, who were in my first, the played the first show. 
and um, we, and it was, it went, it went as well as it could go. Like people were excited about it. And I remember we played and I just wanted to see what it was like, you know, to perform those songs live. I didn't really know if I wanted to start that as a band. I just didn't want those songs to just be recordings. I wanted to try playing them live. And I remember that after that show, that my friend Tom, who I ended up moving out to try to play music with, he came to the show and, you know, he kind of like called me aside kind of like after, after that, that and was just like, he's like, you, you can't not do this. You know, you really need to, he's like, you need to pursue this, this, this project because it's, it's really good. And I think you have like potential. And it, and it so, was called, it was called Dead Bars from the first show, right? Yeah, I had the name. Yeah, I had the name for a while. I knew that that was a good name. I really liked, I knew that, um, that fit with what I was trying to go for, which was basically everything that the, the song content is about is kind of like, I wanted the name to represent that, you know, which was the duality between, and I've said this a lot, but it's like, you know, it really means, it can mean some different things to different people. Like it can mean like loneliness or it can mean, uh, you know, community or it can mean, sadness or it can mean celebration it, it really depends and that's yeah why i like the name and i also think that the, the the band the songs like represent those two things where it's like these are these are like you know kind of have two different meanings and two different vibes at the same time yeah. which i think is interesting but I, I i think i've seen uh somewhere that uh the name comes from the fact that you like to drink in dive bars with no one else around <laughs> and, and when uh when i read that i was like two things came to my mind the first one was like oh that's that's pretty um that's sad like that that's a sad thing and then i thought wait i kind of like to go and dive i personally like to be in a dive bar like a shitty place like this and not to be in like 100 alone but to be with like the the regulars the bar flies that are always there and to have discussions with these people and i thought oh maybe that's what he meant by that to be in a place with uh and then i'm using your terms here uh, with a bunch of freaks <laughs> and and that's when I, i that's when it clicked i was like oh maybe that's what you mean and uh but i don't know is it i mean, mean it can mean it can mean whatever whatever you if that's if that's your uh, interpretation like that is definitely part of it i think like for me a lot of it is like therapy in a way like it yeah. sounds crazy but like um like i go sometimes like i like going out with my friends and having drinks with my friends but i also really like getting out of my house going to sit somewhere having a beer and then like i get to like that's where i write a lot of songs to be honest like i mean i sit and i sometimes have a notebook or I have my phone and nice. i will you know Whether or not it's like seeing people around me, you know, that has something to do with it. But a lot of it gives me time and like gives me an opportunity to, to like reflect on the day. How do you usually write songs? Um, so normally... It, it it depends, but the, I think that the best 
songs that I write start with um, either a catchphrase or an idea. It doesn't always end up that way, but I feel like those are the those are the best ones where like Dream Gig, for example, like mm-hmm. I had that catchphrase before I had the song. And then I wrote Dream Gig once I thought of that like title or whatever. Um, same thing with uh with um you know a lot of a lot of them start with you know no tattoos was like another one where it was like i had that idea and then i wrote it so it normally starts with either the lyric or the idea or the song title and then i usually put music to that but it doesn't always happen that way um i do think that the best songs that i do write start that way though sometimes they start with like like yeah, so yeah, if you take ahead. the example of no tattoos, were you like, did you write down like, or did you think about like, oh, no tattoos, and then started like singing the lyrics in your head, and it created the melody like that, or did you pick up a guitar and then started trying to find the chords that would fit this idea? No, I I kind of wrote it in like, basically, I I. I knew the first line all my friends have tattoos and the second line i don't have any tattoos you know so that was those were the first two lines and i knew that and i was like how how can i figure out how to convey what i'm trying to say here and then i came up with the other two lines and so then i wrote the melody and the progression like over like or afterwards but yeah i mean i i a lot of it a lot of times it starts with finding a place for the chords over the melody or the, a lot of times I have the melody in my head before mm-hmm. the progression. I, I very rarely write a progression and then add words to it. Yeah. Normally it's normally it starts with the words that have a, a singing quality to them. Yeah. And then I just have to find the chords that go with it. And it, it makes, it makes a lot of sense like this. Uh, in, in, you spoke also of dream gig, uh, which in dream gig you, you mentioned that like your dream gig is playing with the souls and you did play with the souls so i'm wondering how how did it first or how did it happen <laughs> and and, and uh, how how was it a dream gig yeah man uh so i mean really that is you know that song I think is bigger than just like one show or one, uh, or one dream or, you know, it's like, it's really about kind of basically setting, you know, a target and then, you know, having a vision and setting a goal and it's a small goal, right? It's not, it's like, it's an achievable goal. Um, but it's not, uh, it's not like make or break, you know, that's kind of the main thing is like, I wrote that song and I didn't, I didn't have any, like, you know, I didn't think that that would lead to like playing a show with one of my favorite bands. Um, I just knew that, that I remember thinking when I was a kid that if I could play a show with the Bouncing Souls, like that would be like I would feel like I was you know 
getting to another level because like where I grew up, like they were like, I mentioned Thursday and my chemical romance and yeah, those bands got super fucking popular and stuff, but the bouncing souls were there before them and they're there after them. They just are, yeah. they're, they're like, they are so important to that scene and they, everybody can relate to their songs and their, and their music and their style and like hardcore kids are into them and pop punk kids are into them and emo kids are into them and young kids are into them and old guys are into them and old people and guys, girls, um, whatever. It's like, they are super relatable. And that was always my, like, my goal was to have a band like, like the Bouncing Souls, not necessarily their music, but just like something that everyone can enjoy and everyone can relate to. Yeah. And, um, and so that show, honestly, like, I mean, it's just like 15 years of talking to them. Kind of like, I mean, I've been around that band for, for 15 years oh, kind so you, of so you know them personally uh, i mean now yeah i mean i would say that like they would if you said do you know john from dead bars like they would say yeah mm -hmm. um but i wouldn't say we're like we're yeah like I, i don't like talk to them a lot but um yeah of course i mean like and then before that i knew the drummer the old drummer michael uh he played drums in the band for from for like 10 or 12 years he, he was the second drummer He joined the band in like 2000 and I, I got to know him uh, before I got to know anybody else. And I tried to get red light, green light on some shows with them. And I tried to, you know, I mean, and there were times like they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't even remember this stuff, but I mean, I, I like, I'd go backstage at, they would do these home for the holiday shows. And I, I somehow managed to get like a wristband and I was like backstage and drinking beers with Pete and, you know, Frank from My Chemical Romance was there and fucking, um, you know, uh, like Lamar Vinoy from, from, from their songs and, you know, and, 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 you know, smoking weed with, with Michael from the band and all that <laughs> shit. And it was, it was great, but I mean, they wouldn't remember any of that stuff. And then yeah, that, yeah. Was that was, that was 10 or 15 years ago. And then I just kept in touch and kept in touch. And, you know, it's just literally 15 years of like just being around and then, You know, we did, we put out that record dream gig and somebody, you know, sent it to them. And, and then I've followed up and basically was just like, if there's any opportunities to do any shows with you guys, you know, we want to do them. And then a year later after that, like I, I, probably, I probably said that, you know, a year before. And then a year later, I got an email basically just That's saying, do, do you want to come? you want to come to new jersey and uh open up for their 30th anniversary uh hometown show and so that's that's how that went down it was like yeah you can't it doesn't get any better than that you know it yeah, was yeah. great that's it was, insane it was perfect yeah you know? going back to songwriting do you plan a, a specific moment for songwriting where you like sit down and think of like oh i need to write songs or is it something well i guess it goes both ways but do you plan specific moments for songwriting No, but I should, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, like the, the, the reality is, is that I want to write a lot more than I do. Mm -hmm. um, and so this past year has been really tough because the, like, like, for example, you know, like you mentioned about like going to the bar, like, and just kind of, you know, getting away and, and thinking like that, that, that didn't really exist, you know, like all the, all those were closed. 
I also didn't go to work for a long time. Like, so I wasn't going to, to my work. And so I wasn't going out. And I realized that like, you know, a lot of, a lot of the songs were about like living life and going about. Yeah. And when I was doing the same thing every day, which was just waking up, making coffee, watching TV, you know, like I wasn't doing anything. I was not inspired at all, you know, um, no inspiration. I just didn't know what to do. And I, um, I had a guitar in my room and, you know, I just like looked at it every day and I just would go, yeah, I don't have any ideas today, you know, which is like the worst thing in the world or the worst advice. You know, you can't look at the guitar and say that you don't have, you can't look at it and say you don't have any ideas. You just have to pick it up and then something will come about, you know? Last week, um, I, I had uh, Jenny from Bad Cup, Bad Cup in the podcast, and she mentioned um, doing um, something that's called morning journals, where she mm-hmm. writes every morning uh, three pages of like just free writing. She writes anything that comes to her mind, and then I, start, and I started doing that. And I cannot say for sure right now if it helps me um, creatively, but so far, I really like the process of just like writing anything that comes to your mind every day so like i write with a pen in a book and i'm like oh yeah so i i I do that with catchphrases like i you know like i was saying i don't i can't i don't do the free free writing thing but i do that with you know um anything that i think is like something that will connect with people because If, if you, if anybody's listened to the dead bar songs, you know, like they are very much like quotable and um, like easily, like, like very simple um, catchphrases is like the best uh, word, or maybe like, I, I like to use the term like meme, like a meme song. Like you could probably make a, a freaks meme, or you could probably make a no oh. tattoos meme. Or you can make a dream big meme. Or that's you can that's make... what Dead Bars is. It's a meme rock band. I, I mean, I I mean, so I've never called it that, but honestly, like that is kind of what I think about when yeah. I write the songs. Is like I don't want anything to be complicated. I want it. To... And then another thing that that um I, I'm not gonna take credit for this, but a friend of mine um said that we're a Charlie Brown four square comic book strip. You know. It's yeah. like, that's the song. It's like, you can get the whole song in a Charlie Brown four square comic. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. It's like, I did this, then I did this and this, and now this, you yeah. know, it's uh-huh. it. And that's, that's what it is. And like, so whether you call it a meme or a little or a short, a comic short or something like that, that is what I try to do. Um, and um, I think I succeed most of the time, you know, yeah. um, because if you think about it, memes are shareable. Mm-hmm. The quotes, you know, like catchphrases are called catchphrases because people say them a lot, you know? And so like, that is always the thing that I think is really important when you have a band is to like have something that people want to like basically share with other people or be, um, you know, kind of, digest but not not have to dig too deep but you can find you can find the meaning 
uh, if you do decide to, to dig deep, you know? Yeah. Um, so you have two full-length albums, right? You have yeah. Dream, Dream Gig and Regulars. Um, Correct. Did you work with a producer? I think I saw that you worked with a producer on, um, on Dream Gig which is Eric Randall, but I could not find uh, stuff about him. How was, how was he producing the album? How did you work with him? Because you are writing all the songs, right? Yeah, so on Dream Gig, I would say that um, like basically 100% is like written and kind of almost produced kind of by me in a sense. Um, we did have a, a producer, Eric was the producer kind of, I can go into that. Um, and we, we did kind of, work on it as a band but the band that recorded dream gig is not uh is not even in the band anymore minus cj you know like it was we were in trans we were kind of in transition at the time so i because you've had you've had a lot of band members right yeah we had a lot of different people in and out of the band and um you know that is cj always there He's uh, he's been in the band since show number two he likes to say that like you know and and it it is true like he didn't play the first show so He always is like, you know, when I joined Dead Bars, you know, I kind of think of him as an original member, but there was a whole era of the band, you know, kind of before him. But um, that was mostly like I said, co-workers like they all those people never had any goals of like making this a a real band. They just wanted to play a show. Um, He is. uh, So he's a member, uh, but there he he doesn't live in Seattle anymore. So So um, it's hard to. Um, have him there all the time but we are I think going forward he's gonna he's gonna be at at all the at all the shows and all the all the tours and stuff so he's a definitely a huge part of the writing process as well Um, but to go back to uh, Dream Gig um, so we uh, so there's this guy Eric who plays guitar in a band called Taco Cat who are kind of popular um, out here and I think other places too, but they're on sub pop. And so they are like a popular Seattle band and have a lot of infrastructure. Eric is like super into pop punk and super into like, just like the same type of music that we are. And I just kind of met him. He worked at a, at a bar that I would go to. And um, I realized that he had done some recordings that I liked. And I just asked him, I said, Hey, like, would you want to record dead bars? And he actually recorded the EP too. the, our first shit, the the stuff with Party at My House and Funhouse Monday and and all that stuff. Um, the first EP that we ever put out, he recorded that. So then when it came when it came time to do Dream Gig, I just you know it was like don't fix what not what's not broke. You know, just go to the same person that recorded us the first time, and that was an amazing experience because we recorded it in CJ's living room at his house that he lived in with his girlfriend. And, you know, we, we had to like be done by like five when she got home. So we would just like go there and record from like 12 to 12 to five in his living room. I think it sounds great. And that's how we got the first record done. Mm-hmm. But Eric was more was like less of a producer and more of just trying to capture, like we really wanted it to sound like a live band and stuff. And yeah. I think we did capture that. And the fact that we did it in a living room for how like I think it sounds really really good for how for how we recorded it um and we know that we did not go to a studio at all everything was done in a house you know or a bedroom well it's it's so, very well done because it sounds like it's uh it sounds DIY but it sounds like good DIY not like mm-hmm. 
and that's a gamble because like sometimes when you don't go into a real studio it can sound very bad but it sounds <laughs> it sounds amazing i appreciate that yeah no i'm really proud of that record and i'm even more proud of it that we um you know did it the in the way that we did it and and the fact that like if you listen from front to back it it really like has that whole story arc you know which i'm which i love there's that was you know for lack of a better term like you know it's kind of like a musical you know it's yeah. like like it could be a musical if somebody wanted to do it uh <laughs> there is a story there is a story there you know there is absolutely yeah. a story of of a of a it's really about a band you know the dream mm -hmm. gig is about being in a band yeah us, particularly like a DIY band, you know. Yeah, and and for the um, for your latest album, Regulars, you work with a producer, the, the um, same one who produced Nirvana, Nevermind, right? Not Nevermind. Um, Not Nevermind. No, the first one, the uh, um, Bleach. Oh, okay. okay the first, cool. the first, the first Nirvana record. Yeah, that was that was interesting because, like, you know, what's his name? Jack. Uh... Jack and Dino. Jack and Dino. Okay. Yeah. So he lives in Seattle and uh, I just, somebody that I knew recorded with him. I just asked them, I said, how is it working with Jack? And they said that it was great. And they said he was really, really good to work with and that, that he was fast and that, that they really enjoyed the experience. So I talked to the band and I said, should we just go make a record with, with Jack and Dino? And I was just thinking, I was like, well, he did, he did the first Nirvana record. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know, maybe we should just, it with him so that one you know was a good experience but that was another weird one where we um you know we're in the band members <laughs> were kind of you know basically we didn't have a band at the time it was me and cj and uh and odo our bass player mm -hmm. and we just decided to record that as a three-piece and i played drums and odo played bass and cj played guitar and we um we just recorded that as a three piece essentially. And we set up live and we just did it all live. No click track, no. Oh yeah. We did have a couple overdubs, but very few. And so it sounds, it's a very guitar heavy band, uh, guitar heavy album. Um, yeah. Particularly because we, that was the first record where we, we moved CJ from drums to guitar. The idea mm -hmm. was that instead of replacing a guitar player, we're going to move CJ to guitar and we're just going to basically get a drummer or kind of have like a, a multiple drummers that, that can fill in partially because between me and CJ, we're like, well, we can, we can write the drum parts. You know, we just need somebody to like jump on a tour or play a show. But what we really need is a great guitar player. CJ is a great guitar player. So he stepped into the guitar role and really that's how that record, and I'm, I am happy with that record, but, um, think it doesn't have that same story arc mm -hmm. that dream gig has i think there's some of it there like the regulars um and then having a song i'm a regular and then having some of it be um be that because i think dream gig is like a story of like a working band kind of and regulars is kind of a story of like you know after you get back from tour or after yeah or after you know after all of the that kind of ends mm -hmm. is kind of where regulars is at right now um so yeah i really i like storytelling 
mm-hmm. in, in this stuff. And I like world world building, you know, creating a world within a world. And and to work with that producer, um, did did he make any changes in the songs or how how did it go? His his philosophy was not really making changes. You know, we didn't do that much pre-production, so um, we didn't really send him anything. He didn't know really know what he was getting into. So <laughs> when we went in there, we just kind of play, just played the songs, and he basically just tried to capture us playing the songs. Okay. And there was a couple times where he would add some input, uh, but mostly his goal was to just get gnarliest guitar sound, the best drum sound, mm-hmm. and the best takes possible. And that really was what he was trying to do. Um, that was pretty much it. Um, he didn't, he liked, he really liked what we were doing. And I think that he was, uh, he, he was excited that we were like just being uh, a live band, you know, because mm-hmm. like, that's what he was used to. He actually said when we set up uh, that, because he recorded a Zeke, Have you ever heard of Zeke? Um, I don't think so. They were like, they're like kind of like a, kind of sound like Motorhead meets like no effects or something. It's like a punk band, but it's like super fast and heavy. And so he's recorded a lot of Zeke albums. And that's what he said when we first uh, showed up. He was like, cool, you guys want to record live? He's like, we'll set, we'll set you up like how I, how I set up Zeke. And so that's, that's, I guess the sound we were going for. Nice. But no, he, 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 I would, I would definitely record with him again. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 um, lo, the new Lost Love album, which will come out in a month and a half, because I'm trying to figure out when this podcast will be out. Uh, it's all been recorded live, and it's the first time we do we do this. Nice. Like, and uh, I really like the experience. There's like a, it sounds more. There's a sense of urgency in the songs, and I and I really dig it. It's, yeah. I, uh, That's kind of my, um, that's been my philosophy this whole time too, um, is really just capturing the band as, as is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been very resistant to, you know, like we purposefully like leave in mistakes and stuff, yeah. um, you know, um, for better or for worse, like <laughs> there are bad mistakes and there are good mistakes. I feel like we leave in good mistakes. Um, But I think that that has character, you know, I mean, you can't, you can't replace that. If, yeah. if there's a string that bends in a particular way, like that's beautiful. Like that's a moment of a guitar player, like basically like being real, you know, and like we captured that moment. You can't recreate that. So to go back and like fix it and make it perfect, you know, it's not really what we've been into, but I don't know if that's helped us or hurt us really. I'm not really sure. I mean, we don't sound like other bands because we choose to do that, which I think is, I think is a positive, but yeah. I think that um, because of that, I th- think it might be a turnoff for some, for some people because it's like, they're not used to hearing a particular thing or, or, you know, it's kind of hard to explain to somebody why they would leave in, you know, a mistake. <laughs> who, who chose the orders, uh, the order of the songs on the album? Because when I listened to the album for the first time, I was like, why? I Like, I would have put I'm a regular first because like it starts and it's like, oh. 
And yeah. to me, to me, I'm a regular was like going to be the first song on the album. And when I listened to it, I was like, huh, all right. Who who decides like the song order, the track list? Um, that one we kind of decided as a group. I think what we did was we we each made a so dream gig i decided i had like i said i had the idea of the, the arc of the story and so the the like dream gig was already i knew exactly the order of of dream gig um regulars i didn't know the order when we recorded it and so what we did was we kind of discussed it and everybody kind of made their own playlist and we listened to various versions of it and i think what we decided was freaks was a good opener Mm -hmm. um and we weren't really sure where else it fit and i agree that regulars um could have been an opener as well but i think that it does fit as number two as well um yeah. so i um yeah i don't really know i don't really know exactly how that came about but i know we did decide it as a group i okay. think yeah and that's cool I, i like the idea of everyone is doing their own track list and then you compare it it's cool yeah that's um, what we did yeah going going to specific songs uh earplug girls earplug girl earplug girls girl girl right okay there's only one earplug girl uh, what's the writing process behind that song and do you test your hearing every year for real <laughs> um so uh That's a real story. I mean, it's like, you know, that's like one of those things where like you do you do test your hearing every year. Yeah, I do because I work in a loud a place that has loud um sounds and like I said like there's um you know like kind of live music and and live things happening at at, the, at my job. So we do have a we do have a hearing test that comes through like once a year. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But um So that does happen, but yeah, the earplug girl thing was uh, one of those weird things where it's just like a strange thing that happens to you, and uh, you know, and and it's, you know, I just remember waking up the next day being like, that was so weird, you know, like meeting a person in that manner, basically, like, yeah. Do you know that girl, like, or is is it? I have no idea. I've never seen her before <laughs> or since. But it was real. I mean, everything that happened. And that is the is the real story, you know. I was watching a band. I was putting my you know fingers in my ears because it was oh, yeah. so yeah. loud. And she kind of I got a nudge on my shoulder, and she took out one of her earplugs and <laughs> gave it to me, which is pretty disgusting. But I remember just being like, I was cool. And then I think I tried to talk to her, and uh, and uh, yeah, she she moved on. Yeah. Uh, that but that's, that's i mean that almost all, sounds romantic it's 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 on the borderline between yeah borderline between romance and something totally disgusting i think it's i think it's a i think it's a cute adolescent um you know like something a teenager would write probably yeah. uh do you uh do you feel like a freak like in the song freaks mm -hmm. uh you what is the song freaks about Like if you'd have to describe it, I think freaks is about all of the people, interesting people that I've met along the way that don't really fit into a box 
and aren't necessarily outcasts or anything like that. It's not about that, but it's about people that I've met that are that do things their own way and are comfortable doing things their own way mm-hmm. and how I think that that's what I want to be and sometimes that's sometimes that's who I am but I also think that you know there's a lot of people that are more freaky than me you know and yeah that's what that's what I've kind of get from that song is that like I like the freaks I'm embraced by the freaks I love the freaks I, yeah, sometimes I'm a freak but you know, a lot of times they're, they're, they're sicker than me, you know? <laughs> I like it because, like, uh, usually freak is a um, negative word. But in this, I feel like with this song and, like, this whole vibe, it sounds like, yeah, we're freaks. It's, it's, it sounds positive to me. It's definitely positive. Like, it's, it's literally people that operate, you know, their, their thought process and everything about them. You know, they, you know, it's, it's, People at a dead bar show aren't necessarily the cool kids, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's the biggest difference is like, we're not really the cool band. Yeah. You know, we're kind of the, the band, like sometimes people call us like every man's band, you know, or whatever. It's like, it's something for everybody. Like we have, you know, there are like nerds, you know, we have like literal nerds that show up to the shows and, you know, we have like guys and girls and, um, you know, like career people, like people that like are lawyers and stuff. And then just mm-hmm. freaking hardcore, like alcoholics, you know, like it's, it's a weird mix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a weird group of people. So that's really what it comes down to. I think it was more about the fans and, and mm-hmm. it's like, if you're, if you're down with this, like you're obviously not a normie. You know, yeah, there's yeah. something about you that is, that is, is taking you into this other subculture um and so that's that's really what that's about and the last song that i want to talk about is pink drink <laughs> uh which pink drink are you talking about <laughs> pink drink is uh basically uh the story of that is we went to play awesome fest a bunch of years ago in san diego I don't know if you're familiar with Awesome Fest, but yeah, it's a it, small, yeah. very, it's a very small punk festival ran by some cool people down in San Diego and Dead Bars played and we played, I forget, some, some night. And then later in the evening, we went to go see this band Drag the River, which is um, John Snodgrass and Chad Price from All. And we were watching them and they're amazing. They're so good. And just at some point in the set, you know, John Snodgrass was like, you know, we're having a good time, but we need, you know, we're, we're feeling thirsty. We need some shots, you know, can anybody, can anybody, you know, get us some shots? And then he was like, but none of that, none of that clear stuff, none of that Brown stuff. He's like, we're too old for that shit. He's like, we need something that's like, red or blue or pink and he's like if you know he's like if you know what we're talking about that's the type of shit that we want so like i was with cj he fucking looked over at me he's like i know exactly what what to do so he went over to the bar and he ordered something like you know it's just like mixed drink shit i know yeah i got this it's uh called tequila rose 
mm-hmm. uh, strawberry cream. It's technically, I don't think it, ta- it tastes, it doesn't taste like tequila at all. We call it pink tequila here. And mm-hmm. it's uh, when I heard pink drink at first, I was like, oh, it reminds me of pink tequila. But it's, I know exactly what John Snodgrass meant by that. I don't want to yeah. drink a shot of Jameson on a stage. I want to drink pink tequila. It's- yeah. And like, basically it's like, I just want to have fun is what is what he's talking about that's that's what it comes down to you know um and so and somebody wrote this in a in a review of us and i thought it was perfect um and i'm going to quote it because i think that it it sums it up really well where it is um you know pink drink is taking your medicine with a spoonful of sugar you know um and i thought that that was like pretty perfect where it's like you know you can only keep this lifestyle up for so long, you know, and sometimes it catches up with people and sometimes it doesn't, but, um, at least this will buy you one more day, you know, put a shot of Jameson down, pick up the pink drink and you might live another day, you know? <laughs> now we're at the park where we're going to talk about creativity. What is creativity to you and how would you describe it to someone who has never heard of creativity before and also I'm looking forward to hear you um, talk about creativity because you write songs but you also work in a museum so maybe you have a different perspective on what is the concept of creativity I think being creative is thinking about the big, bigger picture when it comes to a band I think it's really important to um not just write songs and not just um, record music and play it. It's bigger than that. And it's about like, think about all of your favorite bands. And for me, when I thought about all of my favorite bands, there's always a common theme that it's, it's, there's something else about that band or that movement or that scene that connects me more than just the music. And that has all to do with um, authenticity You know, so like, you can't fake it. You know, you you can't fake this shit because people will see right through you. You know, you have to. You it has to come from a real place, even if the song is not about you specifically. It could be about like that pink drink was not really about me. You know, like I said, like that was about. You know, I I knew what John John Snodgrass was talking about, and I've talked to him since about it. I've gotten friendly with him, and we've talked about that. And um, but it comes from a real place, you know. And so, I think with Dead Bars, the name, like you said, you can you can you know what the band's going to sound like from the name, mm-hmm. and then the music sounds like the name, and then the vibe of the performance fits with the music and fits with the name so what we've done is we've created a whole like basically a uh you know we've we've designed the set you know and we've set the stage for what's to come i feel like that is sometimes missing from some bands you know like i feel like it's not i don't like it enough if it's not just if, if it doesn't have the whole package So I think the creativity part is figuring out a way to to find a way to get that whole package and, um, you know, present that in a manner that connects with other people. And so whether that is your merch 
or whether the, that's the, um, you know, your, um, the way that you perform, um, it's all got to be tied together. And I just think it's, you know, if something, basically, the other part of creativity that I think is super important is acting on your ideas. Because I know a bunch of creative people that don't always act on their, you know, their yep. vision or their, um, so so basically it's that old adage where it's like 80% of life is just showing up, you know? Uh-huh. Um, I think that that's like hugely, I think there's a lot of creative people out there. I'm not any more creative than the guy at their house at, at home that's playing guitar in his room. Um, he, he might be more creative than me, but what I, I've just decided to, you know, show up and like basically present this to the world and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and do that. And I think that, that that's really the biggest piece of the puzzle is just really deciding that you want to put this out there. It's mm-hmm. not about the creativity itself. It's about, um, making the decisions to put in the work really it's so much work you know yeah um do you think everyone has a creative potential yeah i do i, I definitely do I, i've met so many people who are who you think are one-dimensional mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you like get to know them a little bit and you're like wow like you are like amazing and like it can be totally something totally different you know it could be somebody that is a gardener or something you know that has a home garden Mm -hmm. and like i think that that is really creative you know like people that create their own like spaces or somebody that is um really good at you know woodworking or carpentry or something like that obviously that's creative but some people might view that as you know utilitarian it's like no i'm not creative i just need to i I know how to build tables so so i built the table but it's like no there's a creative side to you and I think like, like I like watching movies um, a lot and I think like analyzing movies and some people do this with books too, obviously, but like that is always super interesting to me because I'm not really trying, I like being entertained, but I also like studying things uh, critically yeah, and being challenged. Up, yeah, being challenged. And then, so that is like a creative exercise mm-hmm. too. Um, because it's not just about entertainment. It's about, um, you know, getting into the artist's head and then using some of those techniques in your own stuff, yeah. you know, because everything is, bar- I'm convinced that everything is borrowed, you know, I mean, like, there's no original ideas, I, I don't think, I mean, everything is like, everything is connected, everything gets, there's a spark from something else and you've borrowed an idea from somebody or you've heard the lyric from somebody that then sparked this or you know you know the chords are the same and you just happen to do them in a different way and you know all of that yeah you're right i think everything is borrowed i think it's uh it's it's one of the main points of what what the, the key to creativity is is uh you take all your influences everything that inspires you and then you put it all together and being creative is being able to make the right connections, right links to create something um, which hasn't been yeah. created before. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying is like everyone has that ability, um, I think. And a lot of people, the only reason that some people don't present as creative is because they just choose not to put in the work. That's all that it is. It's just like 
a lot of people, um, or I, I can tell some, I think some people it comes very easily to, to them. Um, but some, some, you know, it takes work and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with like, you're not less creative because something comes, something is harder for you to do. Yeah. You know, you're not less creative. Like it, you, it might, you might be more creative because it's, it's hard for you to do. You know, I feel like part of the reason why dead bars sounds different is because I don't know how to play guitar. I don't know how to sing. <laughs> I don't know how to write a song, you know? And like a lot of like, luckily I've been playing with these people for so long that they kind of get my style, but um, teaching you know, a song to somebody like it, it's maybe not that intuitive because like a lot of the times it's like, wait, did that just switch to six, eight? Like, why did that switch? You know, like this doesn't make any sense or why does this only happen once? And then this happens three times. And, you know, part of that is because I am, um, you know, somewhat ignorant in some ways of how to really, really, um, you know, write a proper song or play a proper guitar part or sing a proper thing yeah and so i think that that is you know basically creates a whole you know sound upon itself yeah yeah. do you have any tips for people who who want to be more creative is there something that you would suggest people to do you mentioned like sometimes it's just putting in the work but do you have more concrete tips that you could give um i think if you have a passion for something there is always ways to like satisfy that passion and and basically try to experiment from there so like for for me like i really get pleasure from not only playing music but like creating like i was talking about like creating the world and like you know having the, I, the bigger visions and stuff like that. And um, it's not just a band, it's like a whole uh, experience for me. Um, but for, for other people, I would say, you know, just follow, follow your heart, really. I mean, like it sounds corny and stuff, but really it's like, don't, the, the, the biggest obstacle I think would be for somebody to, to think, oh, I can't do that because I'm too old or I can't do that because that's not what my friends are doing. Something like that. Like that's the biggest obstacle. Um, even with like sports or something like that. Like, I think, you know, there's so much, there's so much creativity in sports um, mm -hmm. that if that's what you're into, like, you know, go that route too, you know? Um, I, I don't really have any other advice other than like trying to be, I would say watch movies read books, listen to other people's music, um, meditate, you know, meditate is a good, good way to, yeah. Stuff like that, where I think it can help anybody uh, immensely, mm -hmm. uh, and follow and, and basically like read up on people that you love and respect read up. Like I I'm super influenced by, um, you know, uh, David Lynch, you know, who's yeah. a film director. Like, I think that what he does for movies is what I would love to do for, for music, you know? Nice. Uh, so really big into, um, like, uh, like sitcoms, like Seinfeld and like 
curb your enthusiasm and uh you know it's always sunny in philadelphia and stuff like that where <laughs> i think that watching tv and getting those like those jokes across like has maybe helped me in some ways try to figure out a way to concisely um like do the whole things that we were talking about earlier of like creating a meme you know so like just like comedy and and humor mixed with like spiritual stuff from like you know metaphysical magical things and like you know like dream gig is like a spiritual song you know dream gig is a spiritual idea of like you know aspiring something that is you know is there that's hard to uh identify but if you can if you can see it and maybe you can touch it if you can if you can if you can envision it maybe you can touch it maybe it will become real and uh you know and it will never become real unless you like state you know what it is you have to define define what it is so yeah i mean like weird stuff like that you know i'm into all that shit <laughs> amazing on, on these uh on these great words uh do you have any future projects uh what should people check out any new music anything to promote that right now um yeah so we are uh dead bars is working on a new thing i don't know what it's going to be i don't know if it's an <laughs> album or i have no idea Uh, but we are in the writing process right now. We are also going to be, I think, releasing a single um, this year. I don't know when that's coming out, but we, this band, I have a goal with this band to put some, to release at least something every year for the entire existence that this band exists. And um, so far we've done that. And so we have, you know, I think 10 releases in eight years or something like that. And so even last year, we released a live album. We also yep. released a split seven inch last year. So this year we're, I think, going to do a single. So that'll, that will be out hopefully this fall. And so I'm excited about that. I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm it's like a new chapter of what's going to be coming. And then, um, you know, we're, we're focused on trying to go back to the places that we that we've gone to before and uh and seeing seeing some people that we haven't seen in a while because it, it, at this point it'll be like two years really since i've yeah. seen you know you or anybody in um in montreal and some of the people that we are friends with around the country and around the world you know we have to you know our focus is to basically like say hey we're we're still here you know yeah yeah and i feel you Yeah. So besides that, um, I say just check back with um, just edbars.com or, you know, follow us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and stuff and see what's uh, see what's going on there. And I would say just please, 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 you know, talk to us, you know, send us an email, send me a message and let me know what you guys are thinking or anybody's thinking, because that's that's like what I enjoy is meeting new people and you know, talking to people. Yeah. It's the same thing for me. Um, that's, that's the thing I like the most about playing shows, meeting new people all the time, which was not very, which is not something we have done in a while. So yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much, John. And yeah, thanks. Uh, I uh, can't wait to, um, to play a show with you in the future at some point. Soon. We will soon, sooner than later, for sure. 